Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Michael Reed on LMFM. Wednesday morning, the 11th of August. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. And this is Michael Reed on LMFM. The health service is the Angola of the Irish government. That was the view, at least, of Brian Cowan when he was the Minister for Health between 1997 and 2000. His successor was Michal Martin. Overcrowding during his tenure as Minister from 2000 to 04 was so bad that today's Taoiseach back then threatened to fine people who came to the A&Es with drink on them. Mary Harney was next in line and to the Minister from 2004 to 11 declared A&D overcrowding a national emergency and set about ending the problem unsuccessfully. James Riley then took over as minister in 2011. 569 people on trolleys around this country on a single day in January two years ago. I said at the time we wouldn't see that again. A lot of people swallowed very hard when they heard me say that. Riley claimed to to have the pathway to solving these problems. We must fix what's happening in the hospital itself. We must fix what's happening in the community in terms of long-term care and home care packages. And we must fix primary care so that the flow of patients into the hospital is reduced as we have earlier intervention and prevention in the community. James Riley didn't succeed. And when Leo Vradker took over as minister in 2014, the problems were worse than ever before. Um, but it is a problem that uh, exists across our health service uh, and something that um, requires a longer term plan. Minister for Health Leo Radker, like those before him, focused on overcrowding. There is huge variation from hospital to hospital when it comes to overcrowding and sometimes it's down to poor management of patient flow uh, in the individual hospital. We have released an extra 25 million to provide new home care packages uh, and new long term care places uh, that will alleviate pressures in the next couple of days. Um, but even where there is funding in place, there are difficulties. And Kenny was a Taoiseach and he claimed improvements were around the corner. The Minister for Health set up the uh, Emergency Department Task Force in December 2014. There was another meeting of it today. Obviously they're working on a, on a serious plan here to regulate this in a way that's, that will not have these uh, surges that occur every so often becoming full-blown crisis. Unfortunately, none of this had much impact and Simon Harris took over as Minister in 2016. People want to know what are we going to do to break this vicious cycle that has gone on for about 20 years, that has 
dogged the health system uh, for two decades, at least at this stage. Minister Harris agreed with his predecessors about how to stop overcrowding. We need a bed capacity review. We need to put more beds into the system. We need to address the issues of recruitment and retention of staff. And we need to address a new GP contract. Again, none of this had much impact. And trolley numbers were at their highest ever just before the COVID pandemic. Yesterday, the health watchdog HICWA praised hospitals and indeed their staff for the swift response to COVID. A response that was hindered, HICWA says, by these historical problems. Problems that are first seen in emergency departments that then ripple through to every corner of every hospital in the country. Today, the Minister for Health is Stephen Donnelly and it's feared that this winter we'll see a return to overcrowding. There's hope, perhaps, because in opposition at least, Stephen Donnelly had the solutions. We know why it's happening. That means we know how to fix it, last Kian Corla. So in this motion, Fianna Fáil has put together a very straightforward plan that would work. Reduce the number of people going into emergency by funding GPs to treat people in their communities. That means more GP out of hours. It means access to diagnostics. It means funding for care pathways, particularly for the elderly and for those with chronic diseases. Increase emergency department capacity. Safe staffing levels. End the hiring embargo that does exist. Eliminate consultant pay inequality. Provide better access to diagnostics. Free up the hospital beds provide the new beds required and provide them quicker and fund home care so you can get people out of the hospitals when they're discharged. The crisis in ED that we are seeing has never been seen in Ireland before. It doesn't exist in any other European country. That's Stephen Donnelly. Dr Ina Kelly is uh, president of the IMO, the Irish Medical Organisation, and on the line with us now. And a very good morning to you, Dr Kelly, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. I doubt uh, there's very much that you heard from politicians there that you would disagree with, but 25 years on or thereabouts, overcrowding continues uh, to be a problem in hospitals. That's made very clear in the HICWA report yesterday, and that those historical problems have impacted on the very good work you and your staff have been doing in relation to the pandemic. On foot of the HICWA statement, the IMO has said that health services are operating at dangerous levels of capacity and that there is a crisis in medical manpower. How concerned are you going into the winter? Well, it's very concerning. Thanks, Michael, for asking about this, but it's very concerning because the, um, I suppose we're going back to the normal situation now where we're getting um, people are having confidence to go back into the health service and um, they're able to try to get look after the problems that they may have been, I suppose, suffering in silence over in the last year and a half, plus a lot of cancellations that occurred during COVID because of the lack of capacity in the system. People are trying, you know, they're being offered um, um, opportunities maybe to get healthcare now. The problem, of course, is that, um, you know, the, the, the capacity isn't in the health service and it wasn't in the health service before COVID-19. So we're trying to look after um, the needs of, of a population in the pandemic that were never looked after prior to COVID-19. And now we're trying to do it in even much more difficult circumstances because I suppose, you know, it's a it's a great success with the vaccination programme in which we're hoping that we're going to break the, um, you know, the link between the severity of illness with the illness itself. And that's, you know, we're seeing some hopeful signs there, which is good. However, there are, it's still going to be a risk for quite a considerable period of time, we would suspect. Mm. And we still have to look after all of the healthcare, the cancer care and children's care and, you know, um, people with uh, disabilities and people with 
um, underlying, you know, chronic medical conditions and so on, they all need to be looked after on a day-to-day basis and provide and have the services that they need. We've never really been able to do that. And I suppose even during the lockdowns that we've had, we probably had more severe lockdowns because Ireland's capacity to address, you know, to, to deal with the COVID crisis was maybe somewhat less than other countries because we've been in this crisis for so long. Politicians will always tell you that it's not just a question of funding, and I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that, but I'm sure additional funding would help. Uh, You're looking for additional personnel and additional beds. Uh, This problem probably stems from the 1980s, truth be told, when during a recession, 3,000 beds were removed uh, from hospitals uh, around the country, and we've gone from boom to bust and boom to bust again. Uh, And you're calling for an additional 5,000 beds now. Yeah, I mean, that's been looked at now for the last number of years and 5,000 is considered to be the number that is really to provide the service. We're, we, we have an expanding population. So we, obviously we need to have an increase in, in beds. And we also have, you know, an, uh, an ageing population insofar as the number of people in the older age groups is increasing. And, you know, we need to provide the services. You know, most of our healthcare is often in, in the last few years of our lives, particularly. And we need to provide that service to the people who have worked so hard all their lives and they need to have the services when they need them and it's often at the near you know in the in the later years of our lives so um i think that um, you know the the bed situation has been um known about for a long time and it hasn't really been addressed um you know uh, fully and of course you know i think during the covid-19 uh, crisis initially we started you know the overcrowding became even more dangerous than usual and we in public health have always been concerned because infectious diseases and can spread in hospitals even apart from COVID-19. It's very important that you have under, you know, the jaws of spare capacity, that you're using less than the number of beds you have available, mm. that you allow time for uh, beds to be cleaned properly and for, you know, you need that you have um, like fresh air and so on in the rooms. And that's, that would be to do with other infectious diseases as well. Yeah, and... As we heard the politicians saying, they're going back decades. Uh, you need to stop people from going to hospital. You need care in the community. Yeah, well, of course, I suppose, I mean, like from a public health perspective, we're very into prevention. And, and of course, you need to fund that, number one. And then the next thing is you need to uh, early detection, which is like the screening and going to, your, going to your GP on time when you have some symptoms and getting your, your, your diagnosis quickly so that you might be able to pick it up before you need um, more serious, you know, um, and more complicated, you know, more complicated mm. illness, and more serious um, in treatment. So it is terribly important that we fund the community services, the public health services. The general practice, particularly, has been struggling for generations, and I think that um, gener- general practice is, is has been borderline viable for a long time. In fact, really, I don't know that it is viable for many doctors who are in it. They find that it is, um, they can't get locums, they're worn out, they have huge responsibility without the resorts, you know, the supports that they need. And, you know, their patients, they have, you know, long-term relationships with their patients and they're trying to provide the service that their patients need. And, you know, it's so, it's, it's, it's so destroying, I think, not to be able to either have enough, you know, to, you know have enough uh, general practitioners to be able to see the patients and then even to be able to refer them to specialist care when they need it, that they're long waiting this. Mm. And you know the the um, you know those delays in care are, are are very challenging when you're trying to provide the best service for your patients. And you know you know their circumstance and you know what they're suffering and you know how their family are suffering and the burden on them while they're waiting. So for general practice, I mean, it, general practice is what is the bedrock of our health service, and it has been neglected unfortunately for 
multiple decades. And, um, you know, I must, so you know, you'd have to be thankful to our GPs who've put mm-hmm. up with what they've had to put up with for so long and provide the service that, they're, that they can do. But it is such a, stre- a stress for them. And then when we get into the hospital situation, mm-hmm. again, you know, there's, I think one of the, your, um, I think it was, I think it might have been Simon Harris there mm-hmm. was talking about, or no, sorry, it was Stephen Donnelly who was talking about the fact that the in- unequal pay needs to be addressed. That's a huge problem for us in Ireland now since 2012 when new entrant consultants um, start, where their, their pay was cut by 30% or more and therefore those jobs that were popular and, and attractive before then became unpopular and unattractive. And, you know, there are loads of vacancies. There are, I think, 700 vacancies approximately in Ireland in consultant-level jobs. And, you know, people think that those jobs are, I suppose, they're seen as, as uh, prestige and so on. Mm-hmm. They're not actually attractive to people who have spent many, many years training with, you know, developing the type of expertise you need to provide excellent services. And, you know, we can't attract people back, for, you know, a lot of Irish doctors go abroad to train. They need to train in very high centres of excellence and, you know, around in in big, bigger countries than Ireland. But they, we need to attract them back again. And we, we also need to try and stop losing doctors abroad as well. It's very Who interesting are, sometimes to listen to what... To work in other countries, yeah. It's very interesting to listen to what politicians have to say sometimes when they're in opposition. Uh, and Stephen Donnelly was speaking in opposition, opposition there as the Fianna Fáil spokesperson on health. He is, of course, now the minister. And it'll be interesting to watch what he, he does and how he acts as minister in relation to the statements he was making there. Uh, but you talk about statistics and statistics are one thing, but there's always stories behind every statistic and you understand the stories behind the statistics. We've been looking at the statistics outside of the health service for years on end and watching numbers on trolleys mount uh, as the years went on, right up to COVID where we were seeing 500, 600, 700 people, maybe even 800 people on trolleys on a, a given day around the country and then suddenly it all stopped. People stopped going to hospital what happened to them did they stop getting sick or did they stop getting care i think i think well obviously it's the, the, the amount of care had to reduce didn't it really i think that there were um obviously huge challenges for older people i mean a lot of older people did decide i mean and you know and also the, and also the acute care will be required for older people who have chronic diseases and so on and you know that's part of what we get in our in our lives but they, you know, they will have been cocooning at home for a long period of time, afraid maybe to go and mix with other people and to take the the chance that they might have, um, they might have to take if they went to an ED or to the general practitioner or whatever. But then the other thing, of course, is that you know a lot there were a lot of ca- cancellations of elective, mm. you know, um, uh, surgery and you know uh, clinic appointments and so on, and all of that had to be reduced. So people, I think there's probably a silent crisis there that. You know, um, you know, people have had to wait for so long, and you know, and I suppose people were very, I think, tolerant and accepting because they recognised the risk of COVID nineteen was so severe for mm. for people with underlying conditions that they, I suppose, took the chance of of, of staying at home. You know, keeping keeping away from the infection anyway, and mm. hoping, and I suppose the general practitioners will have been giving them you know, care at home and so on, and you know, and the community services and so on will have been providing. There were services continuing all of the time, mm-hmm. but you know, the acute 
um, like, uh, complications that occur then when you're delayed care. That's where we're starting to see. We're going to see more and more mm. of that. Well, I suppose that's what I was wondering. Uh, are we talking about people who had their diagnosis delayed or, or yeah. uh, weren't diagnosed uh, or had uh, their procedure postponed or cancelled? Uh, and are all of these problems mounting up waiting for treatment on top of what would ordinarily happen on top of an ongoing COVID crisis? Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we still have to keep the uh, the distancing because, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. Um, we can't, and the people who are attending our health services are the people who least need to get it. And even though our vaccinations are very effective, they're not, there's no uh, guarantee of immunity when you're vaccinated. You know, they generally will work very well, but any individual person should still protect themselves as much as they can mm. through the usual, you know, uh, methods because, you know, we can't afford to have... I suppose, avoidable tragedies. And I think most people know that themselves. They take care. So the health service themselves have got to work under the constraints of infection prevention and control, which are terribly important anyway and mm. always needed to be there. But they're very stringent at the moment because COVID is so transmissible. And that seems to be feeding um, into this decision this morning by the Rotunda, Rotunda uh, which yeah. uh, says uh, it, it will still uh, not be possible for men to uh, attend appointments with yeah. women who are expecting babies. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mm. very sad. Mm. And I think yeah. it's, you mm. know, but we're dealing with, we're, ta- we're talking about dangers, mm. lots of different types of dangers. And it's a crisis that's been going on for years. I mean, our health our health infrastructure, a lot of it is old and, and unfit for purpose. And I mean, there always needed to be space anyway, because overcrowding is not a good idea with either people who are waiting or people who are wait- you're waiting for care or waiting for the patients, you know, uh, you are, who are com- accompanying patients. All of that is not conducive to to safety in hospital anyway. But we haven't built fit for purpose, um, enough fit for purpose um, infrastructure. And we don't staff it. I mean, for years we have been concerned in public health about the infection prevention and control, you know, um, Mm. investment in hospitals. It wasn't sufficient as well. So what, you know, hospitals are doing in relation to um, the uh, infection prevention and control, a lot of that is required anyway, and we should always have been to some extent. Now, maybe not quite the same stringent level that we need for COVID-19, you know, and and I suppose we can hope that with COVID-19 that we'll actually control it well in Ireland. But the problem, of course, is that until there's global control of it, we may still be vulnerable to new variants that will, you know, that our vaccines don't uh, work so well for, and you know, we may start having a new crisis with that. On top of our manpower crisis, and where people are exhausted as well. I mean, I think the Irish Medical Organisation did a recent survey of doctors and found that you know, uh, the, there are so many people um, in many, you know, the, the non-consultant hospital doctors particularly, and public health particularly, are uh, at, at a crisis point in relation to risk of burnout. But so are all the other branches of, mm. of medicine as well. And and that's, this has been going on before COVID-19. It's just that I suppose COVID-19 has exposed our fragility and, you know, the, the burden on... Um, and I, you know, I'm speaking mainly for, doc- for doctors, particularly, but for all healthcare. But the the burden on doctors who have huge responsibility to, I suppose, to diagnose and help their patients. And when they're tired, that's a risk for the patient as well as for the doctors themselves. And they're working longer hours because there are too few of them. And so we really have to deal with the manpower issue, you know, very significantly because yeah. um, while we have an, an unattractive medical service, we're not going to be able to address the staffing issues. And it's all well and good being superheroes, which you are to most people in the country, but you don't want capes, you want capacity, you want manpower, you want resources, you want infrastructure, you want the tools to do your job. We need to do that. And I mean, you know, and people have, when you've been trained to provide a high quality service, it's 
unethical and it's it, you know it's a very morale um bashing i suppose or yeah. very difficult for doctors to deal with and um, not being able to provide the service that they know that their patients need and that they're not able to do that because of the lack of beds you know, okay. their lack of colleagues. They don't have enough colleagues to provide the services mm. required. And just waiting lists are the way we deal with that in Ireland. We just have very, very long waiting lists. Okay. That's not fair on the patients. I mean, we're all patients too. You mm. know, our families mm. are patients. We're all part of a community in which, you know, all of us have probably have caring responsibilities, either for young people, or older people or whatever, and people who needed health care. And, you know, it's a shock for us as well when we're on the receiving end of the health service too. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, we know what it's like to be on the receiving end as well as on the providing services as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's something I think that um, COVID-19 um, uh, has demonstrated how important health is to Irish people. I don't think anyone can say that Irish people don't value health so much. That people made huge mm. sacrifices, not just for themselves, but for their families and their Absolutely. communities. Okay. And because they recognise the importance of health. So I think it's important that you know, this, that, that the government really hears this and, and mm. really acts now to, to start addressing the, the issues that are really going to block um, us fixing our health problems. And, you know, it's not one thing, it's all of those things. We would definitely need to provide the infrastructure and the beds. I also need to provide the, the you know, address manpower issues. And in Ireland, for doctors, that is the unattractiveness of the medical service for so many doctors that we can't recruit and retain doctors. Okay. Dr. Kelly, I'll leave it there, but thank you indeed for joining thank us on the programme this morning. That's Dr. Ina Kelly, who's the president of the IMO, the Irish Medical Organisation. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.